online with Ammer the Internet Guy. Stream it today on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast focuses on entrepreneurs and business owners, helping them become more successful in conducting their business on the web without being stuck with technology, getting a headache, pulling their hairs out, or buying expensive software. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 30. When I started this podcast, I never realized that I would still be going. Uh, It's almost a year since we started. I think it's 10 and a bit months and we keep on going because of you, our listeners. To all of you, I say thank you. So this episode is another special episode where we have been discussing some interesting stuff. You know, when you think about marketing and especially when you think digital marketing and I know that we've covered a lot of digital marketing before but as a business owner it's usually very difficult to know where to start because there's so much that needs to be done and there's so much that you can do and you're not sure whether you need all of it uh, some of it what are the parts that you must do yourself and what can you outsource and if only there was some kind of an on-demand service that doesn't cost an arm and a leg just for somebody to give you a little bit of a hand uh, like a, a hand holding and put you on the right track so that you know what to do and what to outsource and saves you like a lot of time well there is there is a concierge service that my next guest would be talking to us about so we don't we are not only going to discuss uh, marketing concierge service but we discuss how to use emotional intelligence for your business uh, how to use emotional intelligence in your marketing messaging in your marketing in general in your customer service you know why emotional intelligence is very interesting and very important at the same time we also discussed Vancouver and dipping swimming in the Pacific. So without further ado, let's go and meet Nicole. Guys, here I have Nicole Donnelly with me. Hi, Nicole. Hey. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. So off the air, before we started recording, we've been having a chat about Vancouver and the West End and and dipping into the ocean like you go to the pacific on a is it daily now yes (laughs) and like okay for those of you guys outside canada i mean we're in the west of canada so we're supposed to be less cold than the rest of the country uh right here it says it's minus one outside and uh, in summer i wouldn't even dare to get into the pacific so nicole you're doing it now (laughs) It is. It's always cold. The water is always cold. So in Fahrenheit, I guess in Celsius is about five degrees right now. And Fahrenheit, that's like 41 degrees. And it warms up to, in the summertime, maybe 52. Yeah, uh, it's so still cold. It, I tried and I couldn't. It's still cold. <laughs> it's definitely still cold. And outside, it's been around freezing and below freezing for the last, uh, what, we're at two weeks or three weeks or something of this cold Arctic air. And I get my water shoes on. It was on. 14 last week. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I get my water shoes on and put my like blanket hoodie on and go to the beach and get in the water for as long as I can handle it, which is a minute or two and then okay. walk back in the muck That's and good. snow and we've had snow, which we usually don't have here. And I, I love it personally. I think snow less cold is pointless. <laughs> I really yeah. like the snow it makes oh things prettier. God. You're one of them. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't, well, the first time, so I'm an immigrant. So the first time I saw snow in my life, I was in Austria and that was 2010. And then, oh, it was novelty and I loved it and everything. And then I used to live in Dubai. So, you know, there's no snow and the coldest yeah. it gets is about maybe seven, eight Celsius. Like, and that that's like midwinter. Yeah. And usually like right now, they'd be in the twenties Celsius. They'd be maybe 20 yeah. and then 15 at night. Then I came to Vancouver and uh, I think the, f the first bad, well, we call it bad snow. So the first good <laughs> snow was 2017. It snowed, I think, on the 2nd of December and it stayed there until April. I think, yeah, until 2018, April-ish. Um, and it was, but it, it never dipped to minus 14 before. Like, I don't recall that ever. I've been here from 2015 and I don't really... I think the coldest was minus three or minus four. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been so cold. And I like it. I like having snow here. It also keeps tourists away somewhat. I mean, it's kind of a <laughs> the busier West End spot. isn't as busy as yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's nice and peaceful. And you go out at night yeah. and you can you can hear the snow under your feet. I really like that. Or I'm very outdoorsy animals. though. So when it snows and it's that cold, there's not much you can do apart from walking and maybe even the hikes will be um, unsafe, you know, steep yeah, hikes. You can go swimming. Yeah. So swimming is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I start with indoors first. <laughs> yeah. So guys, like today we wanted to discuss marketing but we're having so much fun already and nicole owns a website and i think it's not the only website she owns uh nicole owns a website called salty waffle and every time i get there i actually think of waffles so it, <laughs> the message is working i <laughs> started out so i started salty waffle in 2010 and we would go into the client's offices and make waffles oh wow and yeah, we would. So Salty was kind of, I lived on the water in Seattle at the time. And Salty is, you know, in like captain or ship terms has kind of this attitude about it or um, where it's just not like perfect and you can have some fun. Yeah. Um, and then for the waffle part of it, food always brings people together. So I even worked with this big financial advisor firm and went in to their break room and made waffles and wow. everybody came around and it starts conversations and the smells like bring everybody in the office together. Um, we've made, we've gone into offices with up to 120 people and made waffles. And it's, I don't know if anybody has, I, I've never met a marketing company that makes waffles for their clients. <laughs> There is a National Pancake Day, but there's no Waffle Day, so you can start that. Yeah. <laughs> National Waffle Day. That, that would be a good thing. I love them. I grew up eating them, and it was always my grandma's recipe, and she's from the South. 
in the States and waffles are a very big thing in the South. And um, my waffles are vegan and gluten-free and my grandma tried my waffles oh my and she thought they were amazing and better than hers. And so that was a big compliment. I was like, all right, we're onto something with these waffles. <laughs> Dragon's Den is winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so let's just backtrack a little bit. What was the idea behind Salty Waffle? Like, why, what makes you think well, I need to start this? And I mean, we haven't told people that it's a marketing service, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, my first company was called Baby Legs, and I sold leg warmers for babies. And we sold them in more than 85 countries. We also sold them in all Target stores and Nordstrom's, and they were everywhere. And what we were really good at, I sold Baby Lakes to a sock company in New York. And what I learned that I really like to do and what I was just naturally good at was the marketing side of things and connecting with customers. And I really wanted to help brands connect with their customers better. And it was early days of social media. And so we started primarily as a social media training company. And so we would go in and do trainings and then companies didn't have that proficiency in house. So they would hire us for a bit or we might help them hire and train a new person to manage all their social. And then, you know, with that comes alignment of the rest of the marketing, uh, the email marketing and everything else. Um, and so we ended up over the last, I mean, it's been almost 12 years. Um, kind of evolving our offerings and doing a lot of customer experience design from when a customer touches a brand in any place, whether they see it or they physically touch it yeah. in their at a, an so, in-person event, yeah. making sure that 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 experience is spread throughout every touch point that a customer has, so that they have the feeling that you want them to have when interacting with your brand. And that can be for services or um, or product companies. And we only work with companies who really care about their customers and are willing to invest in that that customer experience. Because um, there's a lot of companies out there just to make money still, yeah. you know, and people want to pop up something just so that they can have side income or whatever. But we, we work with companies that really care about their customers long-term and are investing in a relationship. I love that because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making money, but yeah. if the sole purpose of a business is only to make money, I don't think they'll go far. Uh, yeah. So they may be able to turn over a certain amount. And, and you see this like day in and day out with companies who have a high customer attrition rate. And in, in most cases, there are even big companies who would only focus on attracting new customers and they neglect the customers who they already have. And yeah. it, it makes me a little bit like wonder how was this like, what's your strategy? Why are you always looking for uh, new customers, new customers, new customers? And they're concentrating and spending most of their budget in lead generation. But when you ask them, so what's your retention plan? They look at you as like, retention? <laughs> yeah, there's no point getting them and losing them after two months. Yeah, we had a big, I had a conversation with the, um, the director of a company earlier today. And we were talking about 
we were talking about nurturing the current customers and doing a better job at that for this, like a big goal to figure out what their best marketing tech stack would be to track every interaction with the customers because we know that we have inbound leads. People come in all the time and their team didn't have time in the fall to reach out to all the old customers to make sure that they were ordering and um, the, their busy time is Christmas and it could be year round if there was more of that outreach and nurturing of the customer relationships. And so we talked about how to be present, you know, like what would, how could, how could we benefit the customer throughout the year and deliver that value and be there when they're ready to purchase? Because we know from looking at their past years, when someone's a customer, they reorder a lot and they reorder throughout the year, typically five to 10 times. And so they need to be top of mind when they're ready to order because they want more customers to behave that way. And they have a lot that do already, but we wanna make sure that they keep on doing that and nurture the new ones so that they keep keep reordering. Um, and really create an emotional connection with the customer in a way that they're seen as delivering value consistently. Another conversation we had about emotionality today too yeah. was, it's an emotional support text message service. And we want to deliver value every day to the customers. So we're actually looking at all the text messages we send and how we rewrite them because it started in October, the, the beta did. And after all the feedback, we're going to redo everything, basically. <laughs> we're, we're rethinking how the lessons are delivered and we've taken all the feedback that we've gotten to make an even better program. And so whether it's a physical product or a service, there are things to do consistently. And so while this is marketing, it informs product development and yes. it informs, you know, it informs so many other areas of the business. I, I love that because I, I spent some of my early years in technology implementing CRM systems. And oh. in the beginning, it was purely like a techie thing, like, you know, yeah. You go and speak tech and you have to kind of twist the processes of the company to suit whatever app they're using or whatever software they're using. And then somewhere along the line, you realize that, hang on a second, that's not right. What's right is to actually make the app work the way their process works, not, not the other way around, not tweak the process to suit the app, but it's kind of, yeah. you know, change the setup of the app or software or whatever you know they were using at the time it wasn't just an app there was no app on the phone it was just a big software sitting on a server in the company it wasn't even software as a service or or online it was just internal uh, but you learn a lot because people in the beginning of this especially big managers they would come and say oh you know what um our service ratings like the rating that our customers are leaving for us for our service did not improve as a result of implementing the CRM. And that made me laugh all the time because, you know, any service, whatever it is, it's pegged to the human being delivering it. It's not, the software will not, you know, make your service better on its own. The software helps you yeah. to see where you need to improve. But if you're not yes. improving, if you're not training people, if you're not as you rightfully do with your um, emotionality thing, changing the message, 
uh, getting the feedback, letting the feedback that came from your users go to product development. Like if it stops with you, if it's just like, hey, customer said they didn't like this, but no one, no one along your chain of, you know, your service chain got this information, then things are and not going to get better. That's, that's right. And that's the important part of marketing, communicating with all of the other departments and being this liaison because the marketing person, and you know, you might be doing marketing yourself, like you might have this mix of marketing and sales, but marketing as a like cornerstone function is the voice of the company that is out there in the public and interacting. And that, you know, it could be just through Facebook posts and Instagram posts and things like that. And it also needs to be the ears of the company to listen to what people are saying to inform product development. And, you know, we take everything with a grain of salt, too, because I've asked customers before yeah. when I had my first company, Baby Legs, we went on Facebook. We're like, what color do you want? And they all said purple. So we made this whole purple line and it did not sell. <laughs> You know, so then we got smarter. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of purple inventory. So then we got smarter about asking questions and said, hey, our distributor in Japan has these different designs. What are three designs or like what's your top design that you would like to see come over from Japan? So we didn't have to invest a lot in inventory and we brought over stuff from Japan that was already made and sold it right away because we gave a picture of what people were going to get. Yeah. You know, and so the first time we asked an open-ended question, which gave us an answer that didn't really, didn't give people what they really wanted. And they didn't, they weren't able to see what they really wanted because we didn't put the images in front of them to select from. And so that's one of the things where... Oh, yeah. So I what always... color do you prefer was not, yeah, it's not an open-ended question. So it was not beneficial to you because they all said this color. Yeah, they wanted to see more purple, but they didn't yeah. buy more purple. And so I always caution people to only listen to feedback to a certain extent and put a paywall up as soon as you can to see if people are willing to pay for what they say they want. And it can be in a very small form, and that's where you can do Facebook ads testing and some of those things, like or Google ads testing, to see what people will buy, even if you don't have the product on hand yet or service fully developed, so that it helps you develop your product or service. Um, because it's when somebody puts the money down, you know that's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Instead it's of a bit just scary like maybe... though, right? Because it's like <laughs> the, it's like Kickstarter campaigns. You're, oh gosh. you're getting the money before you even do the product. So. <laughs> well, and you could give people their money back and it can be a simple yeah, test of like, will people actually pay for this? Because a lot of people want to do case studies. And I yesterday we were in a conversation about it. Like, I don't want to do a case study about this. I want to do ads testing. I want to do it with a shopping cart, a checkout, because I want people to pay for it or not pay for it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I want to really see so it's what an they end to end like. test. Yeah, they asking, add it to the cart. Do they go to yeah, checkout? Yeah, just asking a question doesn't give you doesn't give you the truth of what someone's answer is. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's usually communication, right? Like we, I think during the past few years, and, and that that's similar to what I was doing with with the CRM thing, or or what 
most of the people thought it was, or most of them thought that it would give them because they were only thinking tech and they were not, they were not thinking customer experience and they were not thinking improvement. And I think it's the same thing happened with digital marketing. It has been reduced somehow uh, to tasks rather than the big picture. And people just mm -hmm. think about this task or that task. Like, okay, I'm going to have some ads or I'm going to do some, I don't know, create a page on Facebook and, and try to attract, you know, some people to the page and, and I could communicate with them or whatever. But these are little jobs here and there, but what's the main strategy? What do you want to do with your marketing? I mean, I do understand that marketing leads to sales and everyone will tell you, yeah, our marketing should make us sell more. Great. But your what type of conversation do you want to have with your prospect customer and your customer and what's in it for them as well? Like this is, we, and I'm, I'm also like, I'm guilty as charged with this too. Sometimes we think about our own point of view, forgetting what our service or product, what the benefits would be for the would be customer. Yeah. And then we focus on, I think sometimes people focus on impressing their competition rather than <laughs> rather than actually focusing on their customers. Yeah, well, and knowing who your customer is. So with emotionality, um, we were doing direct to consumer. And so all of our benefits are to the end user. But the people who are purchasing, we found the people who could purchase the most that are really interested is companies. Yeah. Because the number one initiative for companies in 2022 is emotional Mental support health. of their employees, <laughs> right? And so if I'm telling you your individual benefits, it doesn't speak to the HR manager or the person who's mm. going to buy for a whole team. And so we had to change our messaging and we're going to be doing Facebook ads testing too based on the messaging because I will happily give away a free subscription to an HR manager if that's going to be the influencer who will end up being the one yeah it, a lot of times these people it. yeah yeah they'll implement it and sometimes they're not even the purchaser you will have some person in yes. it or yes. something like that that's the purchaser so it's really important to know all the different people you need to influence in an organization to make a purchase um and so from a marketing perspective, I think, okay, am I speaking to these people? And is, um, let's say, an employee who might be interested and can raise this to HR, are they getting a good experience on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn? And is the HR manager getting a good experience on LinkedIn too? And some of these places where they expect professional information, are they getting it? And so thinking about the content that goes out there into the different locations and making it it, making sure it speaks to the purchaser and the influencers is really like and influencers by like the people who are going to influence the purchase in an organization. Yes. It's it's so important because you end up with, you know, two or three different types of customers that you need to message for, which is kind of good because on social you need to message all the time. Yes. And then it's yes. like, OK, Monday we message to this person. Tuesday but it's we a different personality. Person. That's the thing. It's like yeah. your, your ideal customer avatar or whoever like your ideal customer now you have two sets of customers who have different targets yep yeah and so it's important to think about those 
like to think about who the people are. And with a client that we met with today, they have business customers and consumer customers as well. Um, like direct consumers that would buy things, buy this as a gift for somebody or people who buy it for all their employees or for their clients as a gift. Yeah. And so our messaging needs to be different. We have different landing pages and it's still all about the emotional connection and understanding like where, where we bring value to that person in their life um, and just making sure that we're there and present, giving them value in that category on a consistent basis. That's excellent. And I could see like there was something that poked my atten attention on, on the website, saltywaffle.com, because you mentioned concierge marketing service. And it, to me, it speaks of handholding. Am I right yeah. to assume that? Yes. With Salty Waffle, we, we like a concierge, they'll tell you where the best sightseeing things are. They'll tell you where the best restaurants are. We might not be the best ones to execute on something, and we know who the best people are. So if you need Google Ads or SEO, we don't do that. And we work with companies on a regular basis, like pretty much every day. We have meetings with people because we believe that's part of the marketing team, and it's not my team's specialty. So we, we will provide vetted, amazing resources in the areas that we don't have. Um, and so it's often, the way that work is now, a lot of people are contractors, and so it's this team of contractors that come together to do work. And, um, and so we can work within an organization and the competencies and then supplement where it's needed and help hire when it's needed too. So that our goal is to have the organization self-sustaining and managing their own marketing. And that could be with you know, some combination of internal, external. It could yes. be us kind of managing it during the transition. It usually takes about a year to two years even to build in the competency from a, an execution standpoint in an organization to where they, they can manage their own external, um, their external contractors. Um, and that all the measures are across all the different departments and marketing metrics are in management scorecards and, yes. you know, like to become part of the fabric of the organization. Um, and that's where we step in to really help, help spread that the marketing across and, you know, facilitate the conversations that need to happen to make it so that um, marketing is seen as really additive. We bring in money. And it's not just a drain or spray yeah, and pray, an as they say. <laughs> yeah. It's not an yeah, and it's, a, it's an investment. Yes, it's an investment and we, we can measure most things. Some things are kind of hard. If you're doing radio or TV or things like that, it can be kind of hard to measure the ROI on it. But we always do want to make sure that we are increasing sales at the margins that, that people want, you know? and are very, very aware of the numbers and what our responsibility is to deliver. So we're committed to delivering these things and not attached to how it happens. So sometimes we need to keep yeah. legacy relationships and systems, and sometimes we bring in our own and we're really, we can be more innovative. And, you know, it's a combination of that. And that's why it's a concierge because we, we help to, we work with you to figure out what your best outcome will be. I like that because, you know, it's kind of, in my opinion, um, many of at least the small and medium businesses, the business owners, as you know, we have to wear so many hats 
And yes. you have your core, like you started your business because you're very good at something. That doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you're very good at everything. And sometimes marketing is not something that you even like doing, right? Yeah. And the problem is with all the noise out there and with it being reduced to just people describing tasks instead of describing marketing as a whole, or people describing technology, like, you know, which application is better than another or what CRM, you know, would you use for your email campaigns or whatever, rather than what do you want to do with your email campaigns? Because that should decide which application you use. When, when, when you first, you know, decide what do you do with the campaign? How are you going to follow up? Are you going to automate that follow up? Are you going to send it to people who did not click or to people who clicked or, you know, <laughs> how do you segment? There's so many scenarios and these things can be written on a piece of paper with a pencil. Like you don't need technology for that. But yeah. then you take it and automate it, put it into the software once the process, I used to say this all the time, you cannot automate a process that doesn't exist. Yes. So if you cannot write it on paper, the software isn't going to do it for you. You have to be able to describe the steps and all the scenarios. If they click, where do they go? If they didn't click, what do you do? Do you send another message? Does someone get on the phone and call them? Like, what, what do you want to do? What's their preferences? Well, some people like email, some people like SMS, others like phone calls. I mean, it, it all depends. So marketing is, is ingrained within everything you do in the organization. And I think I love your vision of marketing because it's more about enriching the communication and the value with, yeah. especially with existing customers, rather than it's just like bang, 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 fill the world with ads <laughs> and try to put everyone through the funnel and see what sticks. <laughs> and you know what? That's what a lot of analytical people do who don't have the like EQ side of marketing. Yeah. Um, and there's, cause I work with the people who are really good at that. I don't do that. And my team doesn't specialize in it, in the ads and all of that, but we have contractors we work with that do because they're the analytical side of things. And we're like the pretty soft side of things. Yeah. We make things look nice. We make them sound nice. You know, we, we make that nice buttery customer interaction that's smooth and, um, we have all that technology to back it up and we have all those data points too, but there is something to be said for like that human soft side of things that you can't necessarily quantify. And if you just decide to do digital ads, like that's okay, that is a thing, but it's not the whole thing. Exactly. You know, and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing that you can measure. Um, and you know, I, I love ads and I love my ads guys and we do a really good job with it. Um, and we don't like, we will influence the messaging on them and we trust the, the people with all the tools to run. Yeah. Them. They have the delivery vehicles. You yeah. give them the message and then they just know what to use to get them delivered to the right people. Yeah. I I'm going and to pick your brain after, you know, this <laughs> session and tell you my experience with ads and ad people. <laughs> oh, I've worked with a lot of ad people over the last 15, 20 years, you know, yeah. and I have some really good ones now. And it's and it changes so much. Facebook and Google and Instagram, like all of the things you can and can't do, Pinterest, LinkedIn, 
we've experimented with all of these different platforms and continue to because it changes so often, so often. Every month there's new updates. And it that becomes is why, overwhelming. Like for the yeah. business owner is like, oh my God, like what, how much am I going to learn? Like, I don't want, I want to focus on my core thing. I just yes. don't want to keep learning tech. Yes. Yep. And if you can use like 10 per, 10% of someone's expertise, that's what I try to do on a project. I'm like, okay, I'll take 10% of your brain, 10% of your brain. Yeah. And, you know, welcome to the project because I don't want to retain all that information. I don't want to learn it. it um, we were talking about CRM. I was like, I know this is possible to do this kind of tracking. I don't know how and I don't yeah. know what tool we're going to use. <laughs> and we can find the right people the to UTM help us thing. with it. Yeah, the autumn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we'll set the specs and we'll invite in the the right people to implement that, you know, because it's like you can see all the things that are possible. But I mean, tech changes so fast now, so fast. It's good to get those really specific niche experts, you know. And I think not your ad guys, but I think most of the ad guys, they miss the other part as well. So the, that's the problem, like the many marketing agencies they do call themselves an agency, but what they are, they are just ad brokers. In generally yes. speaking, they just go and buy media and you give them money to push your ad to the people that, you know, where this media was bought from or whatever it is, like it, it gets displayed on these networks or whatever. But yep. at the end of the day, they don't actually tell you, like, I'll tell you my experience offline, but in general, <laughs> It's very hard to get someone who would ask you, who is your ideal customer? Like, that's basic, guys. Like, you're going to advertise. Like, what's the point? You'll make me pay Google for, I don't know, 67,000 new visitors, but none of them is my ideal client. That's yes. the waste of your time and my money. Yes. You know, had you asked in the beginning, you know, who's your target exactly? Then you go and ask yourself, how can you reach those people? specifically those people and only those people not everybody yes. else on earth like <laughs> my customers yeah. are not seven billion <laughs> no they're not uh, we want to use everything that we can in marketing and we want the people who do the ads to learn a little bit more about um, reaching the right person and what type of message in order for your ad to to have the effect that you want it to have yeah and um it, it's kind of like i i don't know how to describe this because it's kind of like some agencies know more about the messaging but not the tech to get it delivered and the majority of agencies that i have seen personally are more tech and less people like <laughs> less people's yes. people and more techies and I'm a techie myself, so it, it bugs me because like, I don't need more tech. I need, you know, I need more help on delivering the right message to the right person. I don't care what you use to deliver it because this I can learn. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you're listening and you're a tech person too, um, StoryBrand is really helpful for that. Uh, and you can go to storybrand.com and learn more about their methodology. Um, when we start working with a big client, we do the story brand process and we get the story out so that 
in one to two sentences, you can say, you know, this is what we do. This is who it's for. Oh, like this that. is how we do it. Yeah. And it makes a really big difference to have that clarity on a website. And even though we do that for clients, I pay someone to do that for me on my projects too. Yeah. So I work with a consultant for emotionality because I need that detachment. I need someone else to no, look at it. No, you have to. I don't yeah. do my own website. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> I do the functionality, but never, yeah. the never the design. It will take me forever. I will not finish. Because every time I look at it, mm, needs a change here, mm, needs a change there. Yeah. And it will be ongoing forever. So what I do, uh, I get like one of my designers. I say, bill me for this. You do it on your own. Don't even show me your work until it's done. Otherwise, we will never finish. That so is so <laughs> funny. I love that. I have to do the same thing. And it's, it's like, even this, this is a, a core competency of mine. I can't do it for myself very no, well. <laughs> because you, you'll be, we usually you are your worst um, critique. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's gotta be perfect because your, your prospect customers and your customers will see it. So it has to convince them that like, it will be this good or even better for them. But the problem is when you criticize it, from an expert's perspective, that's not from a user perspective. Like yeah. when I build a website for you, for example, if you're my client, I build a website for you. This website speaks to your customers or your prospect customers and website visitors. They are not web designers. So it shouldn't be done from like the design industry perspective. It, it should be yeah. done from your industry perspective. If you're a coach and who's coaching for example, let's say about money, then it's about financial literacy or whatever. Um, if you're about emotional intelligence, then it's about, you know, the emotion, the feeling, the listening, um, things like that. So it's not, so when I do it for me, I'm a web designer. So it's a web design industry. And then it becomes, nah, it doesn't speak to, <laughs> or it will not speak to a business owner who wants their website to be better. Yeah. Because it will be mostly speaking to other web designers like me, and that's not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I always yeah. outsource the stuff that, you know, doesn't feel right or, or I, it's a good message. Actually, don't try to do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. Use help when available. Yes. Because I mean, you get to a certain point in life where you've tried all the things like I can do graphic design, I can build a website, I can put all the things together. Doesn't mean that I should or that I'm like super at it either. Yeah. I might be particular about my design because that's what I studied in school. And so I need a designer with a high aesthetic to work with. Um, and it's better to send it out and it's better to spend my time creating more relationships with people and bring them into the platform. I love yeah. that every business owner should do that actually like focus more on creating and nurturing this relation these relationships you don't need to learn another tool you don't need to learn yeah. one more you know email marketing software or uh, one i mean i have seen i get a lot of people asking for help building their own websites and I don't know why they're tormenting themselves with this. <laughs> I would gladly help them. Like for me, it becomes a small project where I'm paid by the hour. 
yeah. just to give them advice or show them how this is done or how that is done. And for me, it's okay. I like that because it, it also gives me uh, the opportunity to speak with more people and learn a little bit more about what they do. And, you know, sometimes you realize there are some business ideas that nobody thought of. And like, you see someone, you feel like, how did they come up with this? Like, <laughs> yeah. but I see them actually torturing themselves, trying to build their own websites and spending like a hundred hours. And then when you ask the question, the dreaded question, how many hours did you spend on that? And I think the minimum would have been 60. And I say, okay, do you know what your hourly rate is? Yeah, okay, can you do the math? Yeah, okay, so if you hired, not me necessarily, but any professional web designer, you would have paid half of whatever, you know, <laughs> time value you have for the time you spend, and you wouldn't have had as much headache. You'd have saved money, you'd have saved your time, and invested your time with your customers, which means, you know, probably you'd have made more money. Yep, absolutely agreed on that one. Perfect. So, Nicole, where do you want people to come if they want a little bit more information or, oh, sorry, your mic has gone off now. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> my daughter, just my child decided it was a good time to vacuum. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I thought it was the blender. <laughs> oh yeah, no, the vacuum cleaner. I appreciate the vacuuming and the timing is, you know, immaculate. Don't worry about it. It's not that high. <laughs> um, okay. So where can people find me if they want more information? Yeah. Where do you want them to go? Yeah. You can go to saltywaffle.com and check out the website and you can email me at Nicole at saltywaffle.com. Perfect. And I'll put these, um, I'll put all the links below. So for people watching us, uh, you can have the links below. And if you're listening to us on a podcast and you don't see us on YouTube, uh, you will be able to actually go to the link on my website that will have all the links, how to communicate with Nicole and also the storyboard. You mentioned storyboard. Story brand. Story yes. brand. Story Sorry, brand. Storyboard. Storybrand.com. Yeah, so anything that we mentioned here, I'll, I'll just have it linked at the bottom of the episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a fun conversation. I love the too, Nicole. Thank you very much for being here. Hey, before you go, I would like to remind you that if you have a WordPress-based website, you need to be really looking after its maintenance and security and having a professional looking after it. So if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel that this back end and boring stuff is something that you don't want to do, please do hire someone, but get it done. Do not delay this. Do not leave your WordPress website not updated. Do not leave your plugins not updated. This will open it up for hacking and malware and you don't want that. If you're unsure, head to my website, humantalents.ca that's human talents, one word, humantalents.ca and click there. You'll be able to book uh, a, a, like a 30 minute consultation and we can discuss this together and see if we can help you. Thank you and see you in the next episode.